Christ the Good Shepherd. It's an endearing image. It's a comforting image. And I would dare say that it encapsulates the very heart of uh, the Gospels. God, in his goodness, in his love, he sends his only begotten Son that all who believe in him might not perish. He sends his only begotten Son to become a man like us in all things but sin to shepherd us, to guide us and guard us, to protect and nourish us, to bring us to our true home of heaven. As Jesus says in our gospel, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. It's comforting, endearing, and it summarizes or really gets to the heart of the gospel. But I could imagine an objection. Someone could say, Okay, if Christ is the good shepherd, why do his disciples face such difficulties? I mean, just look at our our first two readings. And the second reading speaks of this great multitude that has endured the time of great distress. They have persevered through great troubles in, in following Christ. Yet, why would the good shepherd allow them to face a time of great distress in the first place? Or in our first reading from Acts of the Apostles, Why, if Christ is the good shepherd, were Paul and Barnabas harassed, violently opposed, persecuted, expelled from the city? Both men, uh, years after this event, would, in different instances, be martyred for the faith as well. Why? It's not like these two readings give us isolated incidents. Really, the experience of Paul and Barnabas, it's something of a snapshot of the situation of the church in any age. In every age, the church proclaims those saving truths God has revealed, the heart of which is that Christ is our good shepherd who's come to lead us to our true homeland of heaven. And in every age, there are those who embrace these saving truths with joy. And there are others who view these saving truths as subversive, as a threat to the status quo and social order. And they oppose the church, and sometimes violently. In fact, we we only have to look to the events of this past week to see an example. Monday night, as I'm sure we're all aware, there was a a leak of a draft of a Supreme Court opinion, um, and the draft would strike down both Roe v. Wade and Casey v. Planned Parenthood, the two big abortion cases. Now, if Roe and Casey were struck down, it would not outlaw abortion, it would it would go back to the states. And of course, this is only a draft. It's not a final opinion, though I, I certainly hope the court does overturn Roe and Casey because the church has taught since the very beginning that all life is sacred. But nonetheless, uh, when this news broke, the church did become something of a target by pro-abortion activists. You know, there was a Catholic parish in Boulder, Colorado that was vandalized And then on Friday, we received a a warning from the archdiocese that there was a possibility of protesters um, attempting to disrupt mass, something which is actually illegal, which I didn't know. It's a a federal crime to disrupt a religious service. Um, And we've heeded their advice. We've taken necessary precautions. I don't think we have anything to worry about. The groups that were trying to do this or trying to encourage this are on the East Coast. Uh, But we did take those precautions to keep everyone safe at Mass. But nonetheless, the question remains, um, 
Why, are, why does Christ the Good Shepherd allow us to face this time of trial? Why are we going to face backlash? Why doesn't he steer us clear of that? And, and we will face backlash, right? If not today, then at some point. And if not publicly, then amongst family and friends, acquaintances and coworkers. You know, Christ tells us in the Gospel of Luke, do you think I have come to give peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Why? Why on earth would Christ, the good shepherd, not help us to avoid division, distress, opposition? It's a good question. I would venture to say we'd see an answer, or find an answer, in Psalm 23. Very famous and rightly so, a well-beloved psalm. Not one in our Mass and our liturgy today. We all know the line, even though I walk through the dark valley, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are at my side with your rod and your staff, you comfort me. Christ the good shepherd doesn't guide us around the dark valley, the valley of the shadow of death, because it is the road that leads to the verdant pasture. And so he takes us through it, but he is there with us to guard us and protect us. Just as the cross is the royal road leading to eternal life. But here's the deal. And we don't need to be afraid of the cross or the dark valley or opposition and division and, and, and strife in this life, right? If we continue to follow him, it, then Christ the good shepherd will lead us through this valley to our true home of heaven. Now, what comes before following him? Hearing his voice. My sheep hear my voice, the Lord says. It's a good point worth meditating on after this past week. There are many competing voices in the world today, and it's worth asking ourselves, whose voice influences us? Whose voice influences our opinions and worldview? Whose voice do we follow? Because here's the deal, we are going to follow someone or something. We are going to be a disciple of someone or some, some philosophy. The choice is, do we want to follow Christ the Good Shepherd, or one of the many competing voices of the spirit of the age? So what does it mean to hear the voice of Christ, the Good Shepherd? Well, St. Thomas Aquinas says, it is to, to, says that to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd is to believe and obey Christ's precepts. To hear, uh, excuse me, to, to um, listen and obey to his teachings laid down in uh, divine revelation and sacred scripture, tradition, and, and the teachings of the church. That's true. I agree with that. But I think also there's a, there's a very real sense in which hearing his voice appeals to our personal prayer life. That we need to carve out time each day for conversation with the Lord. That we need to meditate upon his law day and night. Um, we must open the word of God in sacred scripture and implore him, saying, Lord, incline my heart according to your will. Teach me your statutes. You know, as a priest, uh, we pray the Psalms every day, not all 150, but uh, a number of them in, in something called the Liturgy of the Hours. But one that we pray every single day is Psalm 95. And in Psalm 95, we, we come across this line. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. It's a perennial temptation for all of us to harden our hearts to refuse to believe in the goodness of the Good Shepherd. To think that because we face difficulties in this life, he's not there at our side with his rod and staff. 
or to harden our heart and refuse to accept and believe what he has revealed, he who cannot deceive nor be deceived. It's a perennial temptation to harden our heart and to avoid at all costs the cross, the valley of the shadow of death. But we must fight against these temptations. We must choose to hear his voice, to know him and follow him. For if we do that, no one can take us out of his hands. Let's ignore the competing voices of the world. Let us choose to hear and follow Christ the Good Shepherd so that he can bring us to the verdant pastures of eternal life.